Welcome to Troublelike TV's weekly podcast where we feature the world's most extreme athletes. This week we're featuring Will Stanhope, who just won the Golden Peton Award for free climbing the most difficult alpine route in North America. Will Stanhope, welcome to our show. Good, how are you doing? Awesome, man. Hey, thanks for agreeing to do this interview. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I wanted to first congratulate you for your Golden Piton Award for free climbing the Tom Egan Memorial. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was, uh, have, you, have you ever made it into the bugs? I have, but uh, I haven't done any climbing there. So you're just hiking around? Yeah, just hiking. Nice. Weather, the weather wasn't too good, so did yeah, you kind of like time that with that uh, with the weather there? Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of tent time. Kind of uh yeah, it's just notoriously terrible Canadian weather parts of the course really. Yeah, and you probably get used to that after a while though. Yeah, it was kinda like you we just kinda had to uh yeah, just make the most of it, kinda climb whenever we could. And um luckily that wall was pretty sheltered, so we definitely got a lot of good windows. What's the altitude on that route? Uh, I think it tops out somewhere like ballpark, like eleven, twelve thousand feet. So not not crazy high. Not crazy high, but you still you got some altitude you're working with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a little bit. Because yeah. the photos I'm looking at, uh, it looks like there's snow beneath you. Yeah, yeah, you're you're climbing uh, over a glacier. That's pretty cool, man. So you spent 150 days over a span of like four years to free it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a. Kind of a long, longer saga than we than we thought it was going to take. In many ways, it's like your own Don Wall. Yeah, it kind of was for sure. It was, um, yeah. I, I was at, we were actually pretty inspired by those guys, kind of finally finishing that thing off. Because we, we were kind of in that same boat, and we just didn't know if it would, if it would ever happen. Really, did their success uh, motivate you even more? Yeah, it totally did. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. What what kept you motivated all the time? Um, I, I think just like slowly making progress was was huge. You know, I think if if we had ever kind of come to like a, a huge standstill, uh, we would have definitely lost motivation. But uh, we were kind of making minute progress um, throughout the years, so it was it was just enough to kind of keep us in the game and kind of know that it was possible. Did you know the cruxes were a five fourteen range? Um, yeah, I think from the get go we we knew that it was pretty hard and probably was going to be five fourteen. Um, the the crux pitch was this kind of really unlikely face traverse that accesses the crack, and um, that that was pretty wild because all the holes were really invisible until you were kind of staring right at them. So uh, that, that took a lot of swinging around to figure out. There were two, like, 514 pitches, weren't there? Mm-hmm. And then this, this uh, crack pitch, I, I thought that was, like, 14A. Yeah, I think that's the one that I'm looking at uh, now. It, it looks so thin. What, what kind of gear were you using to uh, protect it? Um, it was mostly, like, uh, purple TCUs so, or, or purple master cans, like Matoli's master can. You kind of, like... Was- Dropping them in, like underneath you, generally, kind of where you can't fit your fingers in. So was it like pinky jams almost? So it looks really thin. 
Yeah, it's like it was tips the whole way for sure. But like not nothing too finger crusher. Um and then uh kind of the crux it, it petered out a bit and you have to kind of bear down on the face hold and then kind of lurch back into the crack. Mm-hmm. So the um, face holds, were there enough, or did you find that you were smearing more? Um, on the, yeah, there wasn't a hell of a lot of smearing uh, in terms of, well, there, I, I would say it was, there was just like barely enough face holds to, to make it all work. Kind of like one less, and I don't think it would have gone free ever, at least for us. Did uh, Southern Bell on Half Dome train you for such a route? Uh, no, not really. That was a totally different ball game. Southern Bell was just super run out, um, kind of much lower angle, just kind of on your feet and keeping your head screwed on tight, slab climbing. Yeah, you did that with Alex Howell, didn't you? Mm-hmm. It was, a, I think, 2010. We did that. Yeah, I heard you say that uh, it was absolutely terrifying at times. Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting uh, to to go back on it again. I uh, I thought it was yeah, it was pretty run out. Alex is uh, typically unfazed as he generally is with most things, but I I, I was pretty nope. I was pretty free, especially yeah, for sure. I thought it was I thought it was like legitimately scary. <laughs> Were there any pitches uh, on the Tom Egan route that uh, remind you of that in terms of scariness? No, no, it was, it was much more uh, just kind of well protected crack climbing. Yeah, there were, yeah, totally two different different ball games. Right on. So switching gears to free soloing, how did you get into free soloing? So I've been doing it since I was like, probably like fifteen years old. You know, to, to a, you know, starting off at a really um, relaxed level, but um, yeah, just kind of a. A natural thing to do here. Yeah, I remember exchanging a few emails. You said that uh, it was serious injury, though, that's into doing free soloing. Yeah, maybe I would say for sure, like to to a harder degree. Um, I was just uh, what was I? Just trying to collect my thoughts here, but I yeah, I hurt myself in 2011, and I just kind of um, my left foot was was pretty hobbled when I learned to walk again and I just kind of got back into easy soloing in Squamish that spring, just kind of reteaching myself how to weight crystals and, and jam my foot into the crack and started off really easy. And, and yeah, I don't know really why it was, but I, I did progress to some harder things over the next couple years. And, it's kind, uh, of, kind of ironic that you hurt yourself while climbing with a rope. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, I guess that spicy gritstone stuff, though, a lot of people get hurt there. And I definitely learned a lot of lessons about, um, you know, not blindly trusting uh, gear. And I I, I kind of delaminated this this flake off a root, Parthian shot. And, uh, yeah, it was a huge learning experience. And I I, I think for, for me, the soloing was actually, it was, like I would say it was like playing it pretty conservatively as opposed to those kind of uh more dangerous headpoints that were um were were for sure scarier. The soloing was always just really locked in and 
on stuff that was kind of way under my uh, my physical limit. Yeah, that seems to be a, a common theme of all the free soloists of staying within that comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. I think as soon as you're um, kind of coming close to your to your leading limit, that's uh, that's a really dangerous game to play. Yeah, it is, especially uh, considering why we have a rope in the first place. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I kind of feel like with soloing, I. I climbed a lot of the things that I that I was happy to solo, but I don't know if um, for me there's kind of definitely like a certain cap on it where I just wasn't never really willing to get into some of the like the techier stemming or the opposition style stuff that Alex just seems to have just like dove headfirst into. I just I'm not I'm not into that as much, so I don't I don't really know if uh, how psyched I am to kind of push my limits with it. It's smart to not do that. Yeah, I just kind of feel like I'm, I'm pretty happy with some of the things I've soloed, but I, I don't, you know, and I'll always have my little circuit that I enjoy, but I don't know if I'm into, um, there's, there's definitely a few routes that I would kind of try to crank myself up for years to see if I was motivated to do, but I, I don't know, honestly, if I'm, if I'm ever going to go down that road. Well, even if you don't, who cares? If you're still alive, yeah, that's what matters. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I remember when you first came onto my radar screen, it was when you free soloed Separate Reality in Yosemite. Yeah. What, what, what inspired that ascent? Um, it's just such an iconic, beautiful feature. And I remember when the, fir- the very first trip we made down to Yosemite, I, I think I, I flashed it first go, and I kind of always, it was always been in the back of my mind ever since I saw that, the picture of Wolfgang Gulick climbing it ropeless. And, yeah, but it just kind of seemed like such a a mind-blowing kind of location to be climbing without a rope. Like it was just too it was, it was always weighed really heavy on my psyche to like just the thought of being kind of close to the lip there without a rope was just kind of too much for my brain to handle. And um that was another one where I I kind of I went to the valley previously with with the goal of climbing it without a rope, but just never could kind of wrap my head around it and just kind of put it on the back burner um, for another year. And then I just kind of, I found myself in the valley uh, really unexpectedly and it just, everything clicked and it felt right. And, and that's when I did it. So kind of, wow. I, yeah, maybe just waiting for those. I, I feel like with soloing a few times, I, I've definitely tried to, you know, really like crank up the motivation to do something. And I feel like that's generally like the the wrong way to go about it. You kind of have to wait for the that that magic moment, and in a, in a, it's kind of unpredictable when it's going to come. Um, Waiting for the magic to come. Yeah, or just kind of like wait, waiting to feel relaxed, right? So, did you go through the same process with zombie crack? Uh yeah, for for some reason that one never seemed quite as out there. Like it's definitely harder, but uh, something about the, the separate reality is just kind of maybe the exposure, maybe just the exposure and the history and everything else kind of was. Uh, yeah, I I would say the exposure was a huge factor. Just kind of a it's such an out there place to be, and you're kind of inverted for a while there too, right? You're kind of you're upside down for. 
a few minutes and that's kind of, I don't know, a little bit disorienting or you kind of, yeah. Yeah. Then you go spin around at the lip. Yeah. But actually uh, Dean Potter had a really good, I watched this video of Dean doing it and he had this really locker way of, of climbing it. Like unlike Gulick who kind of like dead points for that hold, uh, Dean kind of did this huge cross through and just made everything really static. And that's the data I use. Did you know Dean? Yeah. 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 Did you get a chance to climb with him much? Uh, I just kind of hung out with him, but, uh, in the valley, but yeah, I, uh, I would say I, I wasn't really cl- close with him, but I, I saw him around. And he always was a really nice guy, like sent me a really nice email after I broke my foot and he's a, yeah, really kind of inspiring, uh, nice guy. Yeah. How, do, how you know, so many people have asked me and I just want to ask you the same question is, how do you prepare yourself for such a free solo? Well, th- that's the thing is, as I kind of, I'd been to the Valley previously and was really cr- cranking, like trying to motivate myself to do it. And then it, it just, it seemed like too much and I wasn't into it. So the, the preparation, honestly, yeah, it kind of came unexpectedly. It just felt right one day. If that makes any sense. It wasn't, um, I think it's really easy to overthink some of those things and really, I think that maybe it's an old crop quote or something where he always used to say where if he, if he had to, um, to amp himself up or this is, I'm totally paraphrasing here, but like if he had to amp himself up too much to do something, he, he, he walked away from it. So I kind of, I kind of hear that. I think that's, that's true for me too. Like if I have to, if it's taking me a long, long time to really to get cranked up to do something, it's it's probably not a good idea. So it should be this kind of really like organic, natural feeling. I don't yeah, know if you were like that. No, no, I do, and uh, and I've I've heard you say uh, talk about paying attention to your six senses, like listening to the little omens that get you get from time to time. Yeah, it's like this kind of like. I don't know, like kind of like a little bit of a maybe like lightness or something. When it feels right, you feel light, and you you don't feel kind of like the burden of of trying to do something. It's you feel just like genuinely excited to do it, as opposed to um, you know, like I think if you really overthink things, like you can kind of build up a lot of expectation in yourself and it can, it can basically all just feel like a bit too much i think that's true with probably most everything in life yeah for sure yeah. you know when you think about it <laughs> so from time to time since we're all human how do you deal with the negative thoughts when they come up to you um you know in terms of soloing in terms of like soloing or finding yourself just on the edge where you really are in a position where you just can't fall. And yeah, I mean, I've definitely had a few instances where, um, you know, it's something you want to avoid at all costs, you know, feeling plagued by doubt, um, really run out or something like that. That's kind of like worst case scenario. So I've definitely been there and had, had some of those experiences, but, uh, 
I try to avoid it. <laughs> but um, but, yeah, but, I mean, it ha- but it happens though. It does for sure. So yeah, maybe it, maybe it had a little bit of that on the Southern Bell, just kind of like going to ground up and feeling a little bit wigged out on some of those pitches and. Yeah, maybe when I was younger, I I thought you really had to kind of bulldoze past your fear and really kind of suppress it and things like that. But, um, you know, fear is trying to teach you something at all times, right? So you got to really got to pay attention. And, you know, if something's telling you to back down, then you want to back down. Um, I don't know. So do you use fear like a gauge of what you should be doing or not? I think so, but then... You know, like I was just in Tasmania doing some head pointing stuff with my buddy Sonny, and I was getting pretty freaked out by this, this one route in particular on the totem pole. And then I kind of, and it was awesome. It worked out really well. So I guess I feel like every situation is, is subtly different. And um, I wish it was uh, easier to explain. You know, it's such a subtle thing, right? Paying attention to one's fear. And I wouldn't say I'm a master of it. I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else. Yeah, no, I'm always interested because it's probably the number one question that people ask me is, well, aren't you afraid and how do you deal with it? And I'm just always curious about how other people deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's it's all a bit different. Like with the soloing, if it's like if there's any doubt or any fear, I, I'll back down or I'll, I'll postpone or maybe just toss the idea in the garbage. But with, um, with I, honestly, I find like the rope climbing a little bit more interesting in that sense because there you definitely have moments of kind of pushing through that fear. And, you know, there's a little bit more of a gray area, right? You know, you've got a rope, but, you know, how good is a pro? And, um there's a lot more gray area with that realm, I find. Yeah, no, there is. You're, you're looking down and you're seeing that you could possibly hit a ledge and your last piece just pulled out and you're, all these negative thoughts that come into your head. And, you know, for me, I, I find myself, I have to really like focus on my breathing just to clear out those negative thoughts somehow. Yeah, no, I hear that for sure. Yeah. And I was just curious if there was a particular technique that you use. Yeah, yeah, that that that's a big one for sure. Listening to the breathing and that, and also just that inner voice telling you um, if it's a good idea or if it's a bad idea. Which it, which is yeah. kind of like a sensation thing, right? It's like it's it's uh, it's hard to explain. Yeah, no, I know. And sometimes it's you know you question. At least I do myself. Is that voice trying to deceive me and to talk me out of doing something I probably can do, or should I listen to it? Yeah, you know, that's a good way to good way to put it. Have you ever been and, on a and, some, and some of the best moments I've ever had climbing with a rope have kind of have been, you know, pushing through that negativity that um, that I felt. You know, do you have a rock mind? Um, it, this is called the Prophet in Yosemite. Um, the holdings route on El Cap, but that that to me was a huge mental battle. Um, kind of went up there after hurting my foot. And and uh, I was climbing up with my friend Sonny, and he managed to do it. And I went back the next year and the pitches. And that that, would, that to me was 
really pushing myself to 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 let go of the negative feelings and kind of push past the fear and it was it's a lot of like run out uh spooky climbing on kind of marginal gear so it's definitely more been? frightening than the southern bell more frightening than the southern bell the problem yeah for sure yeah was there any moments where you thought you could really uh get hurt yeah yeah totally um yeah, there's one particular pitch on it that, that felt really out there, and yeah, just kind of a lot, a lot of backing off and and kind of going down, and then kind of trying to screw your head on tight and going up another day, and then backing off or or managing to to get a little bit higher, and um, yeah, it was a really cool process. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk lately about uh, who's going to be the first to free solo a route on El Cap. Mm-hmm. You, you've climbed the free rider in a day, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Have you ever thought about free soloing it? No, not not even remotely. I just think it's kind of a bad idea. But, <laughs> bad idea. <laughs> Good way of putting it. Uh, but you know, I mean, Alex is like he's. I mean, he's he's the only candidate in my eyes, and um, yeah, and he and he surprised me time and time again. You know, like things that I thought nobody would ever solo or that, that he wouldn't solo and he just kind of went out and did him. So, I mean, that, that guy's in a total league of his own. He really is. Yeah, like he's far, far and away in a league of his own. And, yeah, like all the power to him. I think it's it's really wild, but I don't really have and, any. Well, which pitch would be the, uh, the scariest for you? Uh... There's there's a ton of pitches that I that I wouldn't be into soloing at all. Like these initial five eleven slabs on the free blast. Um they'd be super spooky. Um there's some kind of slippery corners up high. Um that'd be terrifying. Uh what the Teflon corner? Uh yeah, and and the dihedrals above that as well. Um, and then from there, it's pretty locker. And I think Potter actually did solo out those last few pitches, um, coming in from, uh, this ledge called Thanksgiving ledge. Yeah. I remember seeing the video of him doing that. How did, uh, Dean Potter's death affect you? Um, you know, it made me really never want to get into proximity base. <laughs> yeah. <not good. laughs> uh, it really bummed me out. Like I, I would say that I, I put Dean on uh, maybe a bit of a pedestal, um, in the sense that I kind of he just been pushing it so hard for so long that I kind of thought he was maybe a little bit invincible or something. Or I don't know. I mean, the guy's just been on the cutting edge since I was a kid. You know, like he's one of those guys that I looked up to since I was like 15 years old. So. Um, yeah, I mean, beyond the fact that he was just a really nice guy that I looked up to, um, I, I, I didn't really expect that to happen. I thought I he was, yeah, I thought he, he was such a master, right? He was just such a, yeah, like far, uh, you, you kind of get the feeling with some of those guys that they're kind of like ahead of the curve or something or that they're, 
thinking on a different plane a little bit. And, and maybe that's totally in my own head, but um, I I was really shocked by it for sure. I was totally floored. No, I think uh, everybody was. I think everyone was thinking the same thing. It's kind of like Alex. Alex is in the same realm as Dean. You know, it's like he's just yeah. blowing everyone's mind. Totally. I, I just... Um, and why well, I think it is important to note though, Dean didn't die climbing or he died proximity jumping. And that's totally, I have no, I'm, I'm not a base jumper. I have no idea what that's, I, I know that he, what the line he was trying to fly was really, really technical. So, I mean, there's, there's just like the, the margins there are just so minuscule, but I just kind of, I kind of thought that like, like Dean would have, you know, witnessed so much carnage in his day, right? His, his best buddy Stanley, Sean Leary, passed away in a kind of a similar accident, like proximity flying at dusk, and I just kind of thought that he would, wouldn't have, I didn't think that he would have be still kind of engaging in that. I would have thought he would have sworn that off. But. Yeah, what a shame. Yeah, it is a real shame. Yeah, I recently asked uh, Uli Steck and Alex the same question. How will you know when it's time to stop? We all know that free is a numbers game. And, and like Dean, you know, sooner or later your number's up. When do you say enough is enough? Yeah. Um, like I was saying, for me, I think I'm kind of, I, I'm at that point a little bit with, um, at least technical rock free soloing where I've climbed a lot of these things I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, I don't know how motivated, how motivated I am to, to, uh, yeah, like I was saying, like, uh, there's just, there's a kind of a lot of routes that I was thinking I wanted to solo, but I, it's worth the price to explore and there's so much to do in the, in this world and agree on things that I felt really, really solid on. And then like beyond that, it just, uh, it, you know, like, especially with like the, like some of that, like stemming type soloing that Alex has done. Um, I just think that the margins are way too slim with it. Um, yeah, you know, like, you know, you, you, you your foot greases and you can't really catch yourself. You know what I mean? Like, and you're climbing some kind of, Splitter five fold finger crack. You, it, it's a way different ball game, you know. It really um, is. Y- you know, it's like Alex Soling, a route like um, like Romantic Warrior, or something. That's just it's too technical. You know, like for me at least. I mean, he he obviously has a very different uh, gauge on his own abilities and all the power to him. But for me, it's like you, you can't really you can't catch yourself if you grease a smear on something like that you're 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 out of there mm-hmm. lights out game's over yeah. yeah terminally over yeah have your friends and family been trying to talk you out of it no not really it's just kind of a maybe a, something i've come to myself a realization or something or um yeah I don't know. Maybe if there yeah. was like a logical next step that I could wrap my head around, 
Maybe I'm, you know, maybe just the motivation comes in waves, and I'm just not feeling it. I haven't been for a long time now, and um, you know, it's hard to predict what you're going to be feeling in a certain amount of time. You know, I'm just curious. Do you have a girlfriend now? I do. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that is affecting you at all. Yeah, maybe. I I think most of it's just um, kind of uh, maybe. Like with the soloing, I, I kind of like the, the progression of it and, and finding things that I knew I could do and I knew that I could make them safe. And I, I just, I'm just kind of scratching my head at, at what that next step is for me because it, I've just got to be able to feel like I can down climb or make things safe. And, well, that's the danger you know. in, the, in the game of soloing, I think, is especially when the, the media gets a hold of you because how do you keep out doing what you just did? Well, totally, yeah, yeah. I think that's like a an awful trap that people get caught in is trying to kind of one up their their own accomplishments. Are you still into training as much as you used to be? Um, yeah, I've been yeah tra- training a fair bit. That's kind of I definitely took some uh, took a little break after climbing that Tom Egan wall, and um, yeah, I, I haven't really been training super hard recently. Um, what kind of training yeah. have you been doing? Have you been like uh, doing a campus board or hangboard? Uh, I did a lot of hangboarding before that, Tom Egan. Did a lot of that, um, which was pretty effective. And uh, but yeah, recently I just think I haven't. I haven't been um, motivation hasn't really been sky high. That that was a long saga. That that route. So what are your goals for 2016? Do you have anything particular that you have on your hit list? Um, I'd like to, to do some kind of big, uh, free link ups if I can find the right partner. Um, maybe in Yosemite and maybe in up here in BC, kind of just, I don't know, just kind of a little, little bit more exploratory stuff, less, um, less specific kind of grinding away at a certain project and kind of get a little bit over that after that bugaboo saga. Yeah. One of the coolest link ups that I've heard of. <clears throat> that Tommy Codwell did was he free climbed the nose in a day. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, roped, obviously. But he free climbed it and then she went and did uh, free rider. Free rider. Yeah, yeah, he did it. And that was, yeah. Both back to back in one day. Yeah, that was like the first season I was ever in Yosemite and I was totally, totally blown away by that feat. That's impressive. Case. Oh, yeah. That's, that hasn't been remotely repeated. Not even close. Yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, just to free climb the nose in a day is a major feat. But to turn around and do free rudder back to back, that's impressive. Oh, yeah, no, it's totally insane. So as you pull away from doing free soloing, do you see yourself buying things like that? Uh, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I quite have the, the skills at this point, but... Uh... Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to do that triple link up that in the in the valley that Caldwell and Hollow did years ago, where they climbed uh, they freed Mount Watkins and then they did free rider and then half dome in a day. I always thought that was really beautiful, cool link up. That is impressive as well. It's a lot of vertical feet. Totally, it is, and it's, it's all about finding the right partner too, right? Just kind of. Um, yeah, because you got to do a lot of simul climbing to yeah, make up the time. It's all about just having a partner that you're driving with. Yeah, and a lot of people, you know, I don't think they really get 
what the simulclimate is like. I mean, you really have to be good because oftentimes it may only be one or two pieces of gear between you and sometimes none. Oh, yeah. In a lot of ways, it's it can be like twice as intense as soloing because you, you have another person's kind of life in your hands as well. So it's kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's all about finding that right partner that you really trust and jive with. Recently, you've been getting into ice climbing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm about to go tomorrow here. I'm just about to drive to the Rockies. Uh, are you training for anything in particular with, the, um, uh, with that? Not really. i just just trying to diversify the skill set a bit. You know, I've, I've kind of been just doing the same thing for a long time, and I'm, I'm psyched to kind of broaden the, broaden the toolbox. <laughs> one way to do it. How old are you now? 29. 29. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? I don't know. Uh, yeah, just really, really don't know. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to go check out some of the, the greater ranges and, uh, in the Himalayas maybe at some point, you know, climb some big, big rock spires there, Greenland, Baffin Island. We'll, you know, we'll see. I can see you doing that. Yeah, man, I'm pretty amped too. Now this next question has nothing to do with climbing, but I just have to ask, considering you're a Canadian and just North of our border, what do you and most of your friends think of Donald Trump? <laughs> yeah, I, I think everybody kind of in Canada, at least people I've talked to, think he's kind of a lunatic, and it just seems uh, kind of wild that he might become president. Hopefully not. But. Yeah, does that scare you guys? Yeah, I think so for sure. It scares me. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think. It, possibility i don't know <laughs> yeah. i know he couldn't be more polar opposite than uh justin trudeau he, yeah no totally comes yeah, across pretty, pretty happy that trudeau got elected yeah no he comes across like the coolest politician ever yeah he, he's like an old whistler skier or snowboarder so he, he's snowboarder he parts a lot yeah 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 his brother tragically died in the in the kootenays in a, in a like i think he Keyed onto like a frozen lake or something and went in into the lake years ago. How ah, do you know that? Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty well-known story here. Is there any candidate that you guys would love to see become the next president? I'm I'm a Bernie Sanders fan myself, but personally, yeah, no, I think he speaks to a lot of us. And finally, what words of inspiration do you like to share with the triple black community? Yeah, maybe just uh, follow your passion and. Uh, Play safe, you know. Play safe, which is, which is follow your passion and play safe. And it seems like those things don't really, you know, at times they uh, they don't go together perfectly. Uh, at least for me, they haven't. But uh, kind of try and tread that line. Well, Will, I can't thank you enough. You've truly been an inspiration to all of us here. And just talking to you makes me want to head back up to Canada and climb a Squamish. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah, it'd be, be great to link up in person if. Uh, at some point. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to happen, and I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah, give a holler if you ever make it up to the Great White North. You got it, man. You got it. The Great White North. I like that. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope Trump doesn't win, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> hey, well, take care of yourself. Yeah, okay, Thanks buddy. Again. We'll, we'll chat in Good. a bit. You got it, man. Good luck ice climbing. Okay, bye. Wow. That was an incredible conversation. If there's one takeaway we can all use at some point in our life, 
it is this. Don't ever put a time limit on your dreams or goals. Any monumental achievement is going to take a considerable amount of time. If Will had given up after a hundred days, he would never have known for sure whether he could have sent that route or not. And that would have plagued him for the rest of his life. Sacrificing your blood, sweat, and tears is part of the process. Just ask Tommy Codwell or Kevin Jorgensen about their sacrifices they made on Don Wall. Or Chris Sharma or La Duradura, Or Ethan Pringle on Jumble Love. That's the one thing they all shared in common with Will. They never gave up. And neither should you. Until next week, my friends. This is Dan Goodwin with Trollack TV, your entertainment source for extreme sports.